This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. We must guard against the military-industrial complex. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Shall I tell you what I find beautiful about you? You are in charge of every best when things are worse. Sooner or later, though, you always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, please make yourself at home. I want to thank all our members for making our truth journey a reality. And to listen to part two of tonight's interview and all of our material, just go to veritasradio.com and click on the subscribe button. You will receive your login immediately. And have you listened to Sanitas Radio yet? Well, you should. If you want to learn more about health and longevity, that is. Next week, we have someone who almost went to federal prison for almost 300 years, courtesy of the FDA. This is a David versus Goliath story, the story of Dr. Stanislav Brzezinski. Visit SanitasRadio.com for more information on all the great upcoming shows. Sanitas is a separate subscription from Veritas, and it's well worth it. The knowledge you will acquire is priceless. And the futuristic metal-cased USB drive with Season 5 will be available on December 1st, ready for the holidays. Visit the Veritas store for more details, and there you can purchase MMS as well, especially with the change of weather. And to get in touch with us, for members support media inquiries, you want to be a guest or are a whistleblower. There's a link for you by clicking on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And tonight's special guest is Mark Passio, coming up right now on Veritas.
Mike Passio is an independent researcher, public speaker, radio talk show host, conference organizer, and freedom activist from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Mike has undertaken the task of assembling vast amounts of research in the areas of metaphysics, occultism, spirituality, symbology, and consciousness studies. In 2007, Mark began presenting this information in the form of a presentation series titled What on Earth is Happening? with the intention of bringing the implications of this body of knowledge to greater public awareness. In 2010, Mark began hosting his own weekly internet radio show, also called What on Earth is Happening? which is not broadcast live every Sunday on the Oracle Broadcasting Network. Mark is also one of the co-hosts of Free Your Mind, the Philadelphia-based conference on consciousness, mind control, and the occult. And to learn more about Mark Passio and his work, visit his website, whatonearthishappening.com. And directly from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, I'm privileged to welcome, for the first time on Veritas, Mark Passio. Hello, Mark, and welcome. Mel, thank you so much for inviting me onto the show. It's a pleasure to be here today. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. And as I was jokingly telling you at the beginning of offline, I was telling you that I was somewhat embarrassed that now, for the first time, I'm exposed to your work. I cannot believe that I haven't seen you before. But as I said, sometimes the student has to be ready for the teacher to appear. But uh, watching your presentation last night, I'm, I'm very pleased to see how you discuss truth. And, and I want to read this quote that you are very familiar with by Arthur Schopenhauer. Every truth passes through three stages before it is recognized. In the first, it is ridiculed. In the second, it is opposed. In the third, it is regarded as self-evident. Being that the title of this radio program is Veritas, which means truth in Latin, I would like to start by asking you what your definition of the word truth is. Absolutely. That's a great place to start. And uh, what I try to do in my work is to demystify this entire concept. When people say what is truth, they um, they almost overthink the question and they get into such a, uh, a metaphysical and, uh, you know, a wide open and mystical uh, concept of what we're talking about here. I like to take it back down to the grassroots level to uh, simplify it and demystify it and uh, just state that truth Truth is essentially that which has occurred in the past and is occurring in the present moment. It is the totality of the all the possibilities that could have happened, right? But then they coalesced and those those possibilities collapsed down into the actual events that occurred in the present moment. So what the truth comprises now is everything that has happened up to this point and what is ha actually happening now in the present moment. And if you look at truth in that sense, in that way, that it's simply that which has occurred and that which is currently happening now, uh, it, it's something that um, is always happening in the present, okay? In other words, truth doesn't exist in the future. That's to be determined. That's a, 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 um, a function of all the possibilities that exist right now in this present moment and what we're going to do with them in future moments. So when you look at truth like this, again, it demystifies this concept and it's not people thinking, oh, this is about what is the, the nature of reality and the mind of God. It's simply about what has actually gone on here, 
What has occurred? What is actually going on here? What is occurring? That's what the truth is. And this is independent from perceptions of what is happening or what is what has happened. It's not about, well, my perception of this or your perception of this. Truth goes beyond human perceptions. I, I look at it as complete, being completely independent of human perception. Truth is what is regardless of how anyone has viewed it in their perceptions. So you see, that's what perception means to look through. It's a lens through which we look and we may see things, uh, you know, from slightly different, with slightly different takes. Uh, but truth goes beyond that. Truth is actually the actual eventualities of what has taken place and what is taking place. And th that those eventualities are real and they are independent and they are objective and they are uh, not based upon the perceptions of human beings which are capable of wavering. It is something that is the way that it is and that's that's it and it's not dependent on how someone sees it or how someone views it uh what human beings goal is regarding truth uh, i feel is for us to attempt to align our perceptions to the reality that is actually there so our perceptions can be subjective okay and we can see things with uh, many different varying takes on on the same thing but ultimately the truth is still there independent of those things and what our or what our goal must be is to attempt to align our perceptions with what is actually there when we do that we stop seeing things through a filter and we start to recognize that which actually is. That's my entire concept of what I call the truth, and I use that as a base, a baseline, as a starting point for all of my work. We're not trying to, um, you know, uh, debate subjective realities here. We're trying to get to the objective nature of the of the events which actually are occurring and have occurred in our world, and that from there. We can use that as a baseline to uh, uh, understand those events and eventualities, and then we could actually uh, use that understanding as a motivation for right action. Well, now that we understand what has taken place and what is taking place, what are we actually going to do about it to create positive change in our, in our world? You know, some people ask me all the time, because I don't use the word believe or believe things are to me or they are not and for me to to i have to know something i cannot believe it and i've learned to never approach a believer with a crazy thing like logic and scientific facts because it doesn't work how do you actually convince a believer mark well that's a tough thing because belief can carry with it a lot of denial and uh you know because if you're attached to a particular worldview uh, if something has happened that is in direct conflict with that worldview, and that worldview is telling you, oh, that cannot be, that cannot be that way at all, it's impossible, um, that person is going to be in psychological denial about certain realities and certain events that have taken place uh, around them. And if they're in that state, that's the biggest um, roadblock to solving any problems or creating any positive change. Because see, if we say that we want uh, things to be different than they are, okay, if I'm talking about like worldwide desires, like desires on a, on a species level, humanity itself in the aggregate will say, well, you know, we have certain concerns and we have certain um, uh, desires that we want to see manifested in the world. We want there, uh, you know, in the aggregate to be peace. We want there to be harmony amongst na nations and peoples. We want there to be prosperity. We want 
actual real freedom in our lives, you know, to make our, make our own decisions about how we'll live our lives. We say that we want all of these things, but uh, what we're unwilling to do in many cases is look at what the requirements are to obtaining those things if they're not already present now or if they're lacking in some way now. There are things that need to be put in place and done in order for those manifestations to occur. And there's requirements. There's requirements that are attached to that. So in other words, uh, this is this reality that you say you want isn't going to happen until these requirements are met to make it occur, to make it come into manifestation. It doesn't just magically happen, um, you know, as opposed to what a lot of uh, new age uh, thinkers will try to tell people that it's only about holding an intention and then it will manifest. No, there's there's action required, but most of all, there's knowledge required. See, knowledge has to be taken in and it has to be analyzed and understood so that we can then base our behavior on right knowledge. Only when we be base our behavior on right knowledge are we going to be taking right action. I mean, that follows logically. So when someone's in denial because they're holding on to a belief, it can be very, 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 very difficult to get them to see what is uh, aside from independently from the filters that they're that they're putting over the, that, that they're coloring over that event with their preconceived belief system. I think one of the main ways that those uh, b that belief system and that denial breaks down is when someone suffers enough. That that's what it took for me. For, you see, in my past, when I was very, very, very wildly off the path of truth, and I was in, into uh, the dark occult, and I was into um, you know a very uh, service to self mentality and lifestyle. Um, I, uh, that brought deep suffering into my life, and I recognized my belief system, my attachment to this belief system, is what's generating this suffering. See, that, that's what natural how natural law works to bring us the results uh, that we're of what we're putting into the universe. It's going to bring us uh, an experience of those results in our life. And um, when I realized that connection, that I was generating all of this suffering through my belief system. That's what led to me breaking down the, the denial, getting my head out of the sand and actually taking a look within myself and around myself at what was really going on. That's really the first step to problem solving is to uh, recognize that knowledge plays a gigantic role. It is one of the main requirements self-knowledge and the knowledge of how natural law or the laws of nature actually work in our world to bring us our experiences that that knowledge is actually the hidden knowledge of this world what the the uh, so-called elitists or the so-called controllers of this world uh, are attempting to keep back from the people uh, and this hidden information is generally called the occult. It is called occult knowledge. And all the word occult means in Latin, it comes from the uh, Latin adjective occultus, which means hidden or veiled from sight, un e uh, not easily seen. So it is something that is hidden from our view. And th that information, what has been generally called occult knowledge, is the knowledge of how the human psyche deeply, the deep knowledge of how the human psyche operates, okay, combined with the knowledge of how the universe operates in conjunction with our free will to bring us the direct experiential results of the behaviors that we have chosen. That's what I term under the umbrella 
uh, the term natural law. So um, that's what occult knowledge actually is. And without that knowledge, without that framework or that that um, uh, basis uh, in knowledge, somebody is basically wandering blind. They are um, they're trying to navigate a sea without a compass, without stars, without any navigation equipment, and uh, it's only going to lead them to places that they don't want to go because essentially they're not taking that very first step into problem solving, which is uh, am amassing the knowledge that you need about the root underlying causes that led to the creation of the problem to begin with. If you are, are unwilling to look at those things because of fear-based denial, then the problem can never be solved. It's not possible to do it from that level of ignorance. So that's what I would say when it comes to a person who's stuck in a belief system and is stuck uh, and will not even look at the uh, evidence to the contrary. Uh, sadly, because they're stuck in that um, uh, inability to get into that knowledge and, and get out of that fear-based denial, more likely than not, the only thing that's going to uh, push them to over that edge to say, hey, maybe I really do need to take a look around and reevaluate this situation and see it from a different perspective, uh, one that is more closely aligned with the truth. Uh, the only thing that's going to take them to that place is when they suffer enough as a result of uh, refusal to look at the truth. Like um, another philosopher, uh, Soren Kierkegaard, once said, he said that uh, there's um, – uh, really only two ways that humanity is ever fooled or that humanity ever fools itself. It's that they um, uh, they believe that which is not true and they refuse to accept that which is true. I take this to another level and just say those two things, the refusal to accept uh, what is true and believing in illusion, the, the things that are not true, are the only two things that generate suffering for uh, self-inflicted suffering anyway for humanity. And you know, truth is, is you know, well said. And truth is discoverable. I enjoy, and most people who are listening to us, I'm willing to bet they enjoy discovering the truth. But no one likes to have their beliefs questioned. I understand that everyone must do what is necessary to determine for themselves the truth, in order to come to their to a new understanding in, in their personal search for the truth. Only truth can set you free, as as the the uh, saying goes. But but I seek my own answers and trust nothing over my own personal experience. What makes more sense? Being held accountable for believing another or being responsible for your own decisions and judgments? You know, I think that's what it really comes down to. I think um, we're talking about people who are still in a psychological condition of being like a child. And, and I'm talking about not even in a good way, not like childlike innocence or anything like that. I'm talking about uh, naivete because of what they're willing to believe without questioning it. Um, and, you know, what the, the mind state of being in that psychological condition of uh, extended childhood, if you will, carries with it the notion that we're not really personal responsible for ourselves. Well, because I haven't really truly grown up into an actual psychological and spiritual adult, that makes me not responsible for what I do. Somebody else is responsible for what I do. See how that rationale works? You know, how that, uh, you know, bargaining works in, in the subconscious. This doesn't even have to take place in the conscious mind, this a kind of argument or, or, or reasoning, if you will, quote unquote. This happens at a subconscious level in people. You know, um, 
uh, a really great guy, Travis Walton, he, he, he wrote a, a book called Fire in the Sky. And in there, there's a quote that is just so profound regarding where uh, people's mindset is at. He said that he feels the biggest problem in the world anywhere, regardless of where you, you go in the world, is that people's perceptions are compulsively filtered through a, a, a filter of what they want or do not want to be true. So see, there's this underlying fear that that's operating there. And they're, you know, they're basing everything on, well, do, but do I want that to be true? They're, they're not asking the question, is this the truth? What they're saying is, am I comfortable in living in a world where this is the truth? Or am I uncomfortable in that? And so they think that they can deny it or say, well, that it isn't happening that way because that makes me feel so uncomfortable that I don't want to live in a world that is actually like that. Well, that's not up to you. The, the truth isn't up to you. All we can do is decide whether to accept it or reject it. And, uh, you know, I think what, what Walton here is saying in this, in this uh, little quote is so profound because he's saying everything that people do is colored by this, this filtration system in, the, in their mind. Uh, of what they want and don't want to be true. They're, they're, they're not living their life in a state of acceptance of truth. They're trying to bargain with the universe, in other words, and say, well, I don't want that to be true, so I'm going to operate and I'm going to live my, my, my life and my reality as if it's not already the case. This is a condition called cognitive dissonance. You know, it's, it's, recognizing at a subconscious level that yes something is the way that it is okay like for example we're being ruled by evil people right now the world is run by psychopaths and, and evil lunatics that's the case that's the truth uh, but people don't want it to be that way so you know in their subconscious mind they know it's that way but at the conscious level they're saying oh i don't want this to be true so i'll just i'll just you know pretend or or try to live my life in, in such a way that oh this couldn't be really happening this isn't what's taking place and what you have there is a total conflict uh, it's a dissonance that means you know discordant sound vibrations that don't match up with each other trying to compete for the same airspace okay and uh you get dissonance when that happens and that that's the state that a lot of people are living their lives in so at a subconscious level the subconscious knows it knows the truth it knows what's going on and then at a conscious level these people are making this bargaining based on what they're comfortable with being true or or, or what's uncomfortable to them to be true and uh you know th these two things uh, don't don't coincide they, they're very dissonant with each other and this is a psychological condition that really needs to be overcome we have to real i call this in many cases uh my, my little nickname for this has been arbiter of the truth syndrome that's what these many people out there have they feel they're the arbiters of truth and they can get to decide what happened or didn't happen or what's happening or what's not happening you know it's um based on their level of comfort uh on what they believe is possible or what they want or don't want to be true so um i think that's the 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 resistance that we're really up against as exposers of a lot of hidden information and exposers of the ugliness of how the world really is today 
it's a it's an arduous uh, task to try to uh, break those barriers uh, that the ego has built, and and that's a, it's a very hardened barrier there because again, what the person is really trying to do at a subconscious level is stay a psychological child, such that they do not have to take personal responsibility in the, the the newfound knowledge that they have because with with knowledge comes personal responsibility especially if it's knowledge that things in the world are very very wrong and if you deeply understand that and what led to those factors and conditions being present then you you uh, by taking in that knowledge develop a personal responsibility and a moral obligation to then act to better that condition and what many people want is to stay in this uh, psychological and spiritual childhood it, by which they never have to take that personal responsibility on to actually create real change here in the physical world uh, and so that's the condition that I think that we're really up against today and it um, it's still a, a very 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 um, difficult to break condition and I think we're at a place in in history where I think maybe only enough deep suffering is going to make that condition break uh, I do what I do because I look at it like I serve the truth I'm not I'm not really in this to uh, save humanity or anything like that or you know uh, be everybody's friend that's not I don't look at I don't look at this as a popularity contest I don't look at this as you know me trying to be be well known or famous I'm speaking the truth out there because it's the right thing to do and that's the force that I serve I serve the truth I don't serve humanity it's up to humanity whether they'll take a lot of the, the message that uh, alternative researchers are putting out there about what's really going on on this planet and actually act upon it and do something with it. Uh, that's the world's, that's humanity's karma. Uh, my dharma, if you will, my work, what I'm here to do is to speak the truth, put it out there in aggregate it and put it out there in as easily a digestible form for people as possible so that they can come to an understanding of it as well and then uh, take right action in the world based on what they've come to know. But uh, again, to go back to your original question, the main factor that's at work here is that there's a psychological desire to remain a child by not taking on the responsibility that comes with learning the knowledge of the truth. And that's where a lot of people are stuck. They recognize that if they become knowledgeable, then they're going to be in a position of responsibility and at a psychological level, they don't want that responsibility. And in your case, I believe that, that what you're doing has absolutely no ego. Truth is devoid of all ego. And I like what you said about truth, you know, the, arbiter of, the arbiters of truth. But I think truth has no arbiter. Right. Truth is, period. That's right. It is discoverable. And it seems that many people, and I don't mean to, to sound condescending, but many people don't like to discover it. They want to sit down. They want to let others, they want to read a book. They want to turn on the news. They want to go to church. They right. want to talk to their doctor. They want somebody else to discover their truth for them. Right. And that immediately, in my opinion, becomes a belief, not truth. Exactly. Exactly. And that, that's the difference. That's the key difference that you just stated right there. Truth is there and it's always there and it's there to be discovered. It doesn't require belief to come to know what's really going on. All it requires is enough looking at it and researching it and analyzing it and comparing it and really uh, deeply uh, going even into 
you know, uh, your own intuition about does this make sense, okay, and say, well, uh, you know, am I trying to color this from my own perspective based on my feelings or what I want to be? You know, you have to look at it even from just a more intuitive perspective of, you know, uh, does this make sense based on the past patterns of history? Does this make sense based on, you know, what I know to have been going on so far already? And many people won't even do that. They won't even use their own judgment and their own intuitive capacities to say, well, here's what I'm being told about this event or this issue, you know, on, on the evening news or whatever. And, you know, based on my past experiences with, with the this type of topic, you know, do I actually believe what they're telling me is true? Uh, or and, and do I even have more basic common sense and intuitive capacities than that to recognize, hey, I'm being lied to here and I need to look further into what is really going on regarding this topic or this issue? Most people don't even want to do that because they're comfortable in being told, accepting the answer, so they don't have to do all that homework. That's a lot of homework, what I just laid out there. You really have to go and dig and and uh, uh, find an eclectic variety of information sources and put them all together and aggregate them and compare them and see where's the logical inconsistencies and what do I have to weed out and what do I have to take and what do I have to go deeper into and get more sources for and, and understand that even deeper. Re doing research for yourself is a very arduous process. It's work. It isn't fun. It's work. I mean, you can make it into a fun activity, but it's essentially doing a lot of work. And when people hear that and they say, well, that's what I need to do to understand what's really going on, instead of flicking on uh, the, the uh, you know, a nightly news and just hearing a talking head spout to me what the nature of reality is and just accepting it all, that's what I have to do. Well, I'd rather go and, you know, have my meal and sit at the television and listen to this person talk and just believe whatever they say. Um, it's, it, it, it's uh, uh, again, it's a naive and childish way of looking at the world. Anybody who would think that they could easily be informed by through a method like that is expecting a free lunch, so to speak. They're 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 thinking that they're going to uh, basically get the information that they need to to make accurate decisions. See, that's what taking in accurate information is about. Everything that we do, all of our behaviors, are based on what kind of information do we have at our disposal disposal regarding how we should behave, how we should act. So if you have really bad information that's telling you all the wrong things about what to do, and then you, you act on that, what's going to happen? Chaos is going to result. You're not going to get an orderly existence. You're going to get all kinds of results that you don't expect. However, if you have good information and you're basing your behavior on that, you're, the results that you get back are going to be what's expected. They're going to be orderly instead of chaos related, chaotic. Okay. And um, that's really what we're talking about here. People are drinking from a poison stream uh, called the mainstream uh, media and mainstream sources of information because it's easier to, for them to do that. It's, it's just a passive thing. They don't have to do any of the work. They're saying that responsibility has been alleviated from me and this person has done all that and they're going to tell me what's true. Okay, so that's why I say at the beginning of all my work, the, on the day one that I started my website and my uh, uh, radio show, I always told people, do not just accept this from me. I'm, I'm, what I'm saying here is what I've found to be true, but that doesn't mean you just take it from me and accept it. You have to go and do the same homework 
and look into the same material and look at the same events. Okay. And you have to make your own, you have to come to your own conclusions based on the aggregation of all this information. This is just what I've aggregated. And I'm laying it here for you to point you in the right direction, maybe about where you should go to research. Okay. Or topics you should be looking into. Uh, you have to actually do that work. Your, your job is not to believe it because I said it. Okay. And I tell people, don't believe me. Your job is to go and do that same homework and decide whether or not you're, you're going to come to the same conclusions. That's what I ask people to do. So in other words, what the real goal here is, is to take in information from an eclectic variety of sources uh, if you want to come to a, an actual understanding of what's going on. And then um, you need to actually do your own due diligence. You need to sit down with it and do your own homework so that you can come to your own conclusions about what does this mean? And then as a result, how should I behave uh, to, to create change as a result of now understanding this? And of course, it was Buddha who said, believe nothing, no matter where you read it or who said it, no matter if I have, if I have said it, unless it agrees with your own reason and your own common sense. But the problem is that I think that we have given our th thinking to somebody else, right. the expertise where we're so outward thinking as opposed to inward. A lot of the answers lie within, but we always told that, no, don't listen to your subconscious mind. Listen to other people listen to the experts how can we change that tide well i think um part of that is really healing a lot of the imbalances in consciousness because of the imbalances in our physiology i think one of the part the first parts of uh changing thinking is to actually change the physiology of the body believe it or not people often will underplay the physical but diet and nutrition play such a big role in how we are able to think and and reason so um getting on to unadulterated foods and and water and uh cleaning up our air that's a huge part of uh, what's going to affect our ability to think uh, correctly and to reason correctly. So um, uh, I've done a lot of work with, uh, you know, uh, trying to explain to people about uh, foods and, uh, you know, good diet and nutrition and putting the right micronutrients into the body and elim eliminating a lot of the toxic intake through uh, poisonous chemicals that are used in foods and, and, and over-processed foods, etc. That, that will go a long way to helping to balance the brain because the brain is what we're going to use as our uh, filtration mechanism for all this information. This is the thing that does all the filtering work. It takes it in and it filters it and then it comes to an understanding of it and then it's it's going to help us uh, direct how we're going to behave as a result of that, our, our actual actions in the world. So if our brain is chronically left-brained dominant, we're going to be on the side of uh, controlling wanting to control, wanting to have control over others, uh, an ego-driven mind state, wanting to have more, th more than others and or constantly be at a tactical advantage over other people. It's a very reptilian-type mindset. It's a very male-dominator mindset. Uh, but equally as dangerous is the right brain form of imbalance where we're laying down to everything and be, being passive on everything. We're not standing up for ourselves or our rights. And we're in a state of gullibility, uh, naivete, you know, uh, just accepting everything. That's a hallmark of right brain imbalance. Well, to bring these two things these two modalities of left brain and right brain thinking because uh, left brain is very important because it controls 
uh, our ability to analyze and to uh, reason at a high level and to uh, break down information and understand it. And the right brain is very important because that's our compassion and our, our nurturing and our intuitive capabilities and it's part of open-mindedness and, and being open to new information and, and being creative as well. Um, so both of these uh, hemispherical activities are extremely important to bring together in a state of balance. When one or the other is dominant, we get uh, very uh, sick, twisted, and psychopathic tendencies and behaviors. If it's out of balance in the left brain, if it's out of balance in the right brain, we get what I call slave think, just willingness to be dominated or to accept whatever anybody else tells us. So, um, really, we, we have to employ what I've called the the three modalities of thought. Uh, what what teachers throughout time have really recognized is the three basic modalities of centering thought, uh, of t kinds of thought that are capable of bringing the brain hemispheres to a place of balance. Now, if somebody is way out of balance toward the left brain hemisphere, meaning they're over, that they have too much of the masculine instinct in them and they're controlling and, you know, they're uh, uh, rigidly skeptical or they're, you know, uh, always wanting to be in a tactical advantage over their fellow human being, you know, uh, very, very close-minded as well. This this left brain imbalance mentality can often be balanced by the, the thought modality called meditation. Meditation literally means to bring to the middle, to bring to the center, from medi in Latin meaning middle or center. So um, what you're doing is you're balancing it by using a right brain modality uh, and not overusing it, using it in, in the way it should be used, um, which is in a state of balance. Uh, not overdoing it and like, you know, like meditating like for eight, nine hours a day or something like that. Um, but uh, if it's properly used, this can be a centering influence if one is in a left-brained uh, mentality. Again, if somebody's already in a right-brain uh, modality or if they're already at a balanced hemispherical modality, I wouldn't recommend lots of meditation, maybe just a small amount to, to keep uh, centered. Um, uh, let's look at the opposite example. If the right brain hemisphere is very imbalanced and the person's chronically dominant toward the right brain, uh, then they're often, um, you know, have a hard time focusing or ruled by their emo emotions. Uh, ADD. Yeah, exactly. Uh, blind belief might be a hallmark of, of them. They don't want to really. Uh, they're not active. They're they're kind of just like you know lazy or don't complete things. Whatever that could be. A, all hallmark hallmarks of right brain imbalance. So uh, a, a good centering thought modality for that is concentrative tasks. Concentration is the second thought modality. Okay, and um, concentration also means to bring to the middle. Uh, con is together and in Latin, that's the prefix that means together or with. And, and uh, centra. centra means yeah. middle. Again, there you have it right in the word. Okay, so that's um, that's going to bring things to the middle if they're already toward the right brain imbalance. So concentration will help you to develop a left brain capacities. You have to do different concentrative exercises, maybe verbal puzzles or mathematical uh, uh, work, uh, you know, um, maybe some technical drawing that could bring things from both sides because you're involving actual geometries with, uh, with a, a creative aspect of the right brain uh, in art. Concentration can act and concentrative activities can really act as a centering for people who are in a more right brain dominant mentality. Now, if 
you, you uh, have a balance already between the left and the right brain hemispheres, which is where we want to be. To keep it there, you would engage in contemplation. Contemplative thought is a, is a kind of an active meditation, what you might call a daydreaming exercise or visualization exercises. This is involving both areas of the brain because we're envisioning something that we want, okay, or that uh, a scenario as it may play out. And this involves um, an active thought, which is the left brain, okay, and it involves a creative aspect of thought. Uh, in the uh, visualization aspect of it, which is right-brained, so um, uh, con contemplation. You'll notice in the in the word, uh, it has con it, the prefix in Latin that means together or with, and then temple contemplation, templation, temple. So that's the temples together. It's right in the word in a form of like a kind of mystical language or green language. Uh, contemplation actually means the temples together the left and right brain hemispheres which are at the temples of, of the, the skull they come together in contemplative thinking so very synchronistic uh, uh, word uh, there in contemplation itself these are the three modalities of thought that can help to balance an imbalanced brain there's many other techniques that can be used as well but this also g goes together with diet and nutrition as well uh, and um, when when we have that balanced brain hemisphere that's when we're really going to be both open to information as it's coming to us and we're going to also be active with that information because we have the both the feminine which is the receptive aspect of the personality working properly so we're accepting truth as it comes to us and the active or ma masculine side of the personality is also active activated so we're going to be doing something with that information with that truth because see if it's only just knowledge and understanding we're not really doing anything with it only when we convert that to action in the real world by actually doing something positive with that knowledge are we actually putting it into manifestation in a way that will better our the, the human condition and our, our situation and that is what real wisdom is. It's what, it's what we do with what we know. And it's doing the right thing when you've come to the right conclusions about what's really going on. That's what real wisdom actually is. You know, in my own personal discovery of truth, Mark, I've come to the conclusion that this form of polarity or brain imbalance may be put upon us by, by the powers that want to be with the purpose of keeping us divided, divide and conquer, left versus right, Democrat versus Republican, liberal versus conservative. When in fact, if you were to sit down with most people, you'll come to the conclusion that most people are in the center. Why is it that there's probably half on the right all the time and half on the left? And I'm talking about brains here. Yeah, exactly. That's the uh, dichotomy and the schism that the controllers want to uh, keep going. They want to keep that perpetuated uh, because someone is in an easier position to be um, deceived and controlled if they're not in a place of um, true balance in their personality. If they're out of balance to the left, they're going to be susceptible to believing the the uh, notion that 
people need to be controlled and you know uh since since i'm a pretty good person i should be the one to do that and they develop this dogmatic and erroneous belief in authority and uh you know that that this concept of authority is vested in people because they're just better than other people and that gives them rights that other people don't have and we can go just run roughshod all over their their rights and do whatever we want because you know we're the chosen ones or we're the people who are just you know uh we know better this is a very left-brained modality and when you're in this that person could be easily manipulated into becoming a person who easily goes along with authoritarian belief structures now that also involves a right-brained uh imbalance because you have to be willing to subordinate yourself into this authoritarian hierarchical structure you just look at something like maybe nazi germany or something like that or you look at the uh, police state that stalinist russia developed and uh you look at all these authoritarian believers you know they're left brain yes because they're in that state of i'm in control and i'm going to boss you around or i'm going to kill you and yet you also see they're totally right brain imbalanced as well both hemispheres are out of balance because this person's also totally subjugating themselves as a slave to this hierarchical authoritarian system of control that they're willingly taking a part in and and in doing so they're laying down their own rights to take part in that they believe that oh we're somehow on top of everybody else no they're just as subjugated as everyone else and that's a right brain form of imbalance now if you look at the public at large i would say that the public in, at large moreover has more right-brained imbalance because they're not standing up to their oppressors and actually doing something to change what's going on um they're, they're willing to sit back and continue to take more abuse that's a right brain form of imbalance a right brain form of imbalance um one of the hallmarks of it or one of the things it really leads to can be um uh, it can lead to uh, not only groupthink, okay, and accepting uh, things just because they're the status quo, but it can lead to a condition of self-loathing, of of not believing that we are worth more than this, and we are worthy of respect, and we should claim and keep all of our natural rights and not cede them and give them away to other people because they say that oh we need to take your rights away because we know better about what to do or we want to keep you quote unquote safe and secure and all you need to do is give up your rights and you'll get that security uh very much right-brained imbalanced people will fall for types of things like this and uh they will accept they'll they'll go into these modes of blind acceptance and and groupthink okay uh, that can lead to a condition where you have a bunch of followers that are completely readily willing to submit to authority. So that, that's what the controllers want. You can see how these two dynamics play off against each other. The, the controllers of this world want there to be th these two forms of imbalance everywhere because then you'd have a control um, class okay that is always in this left brain imbalance and always you know wanting to take commands uh and, and carry them out but then you have this right frame uh, uh right brain form of imbalance that's active amongst most of the population that makes them become almost willing slaves to go along with the control system that is the best way to build a prison society an entire uh you know an, an enslaved society uh, through these two forms of brain imbalance hence the control system has every vested interest in keeping these forms of imbalance present and doing everything they can to propagate those imbalances throughout society and you don't need the physical 
internment camp. It's all, it's virtual there. And I think, and I usually don't read that many quotes in, in a single show, but sometimes these quotes, you know, few words can illustrate an entire huge point. But Aldous Huxley said a bit best in 1961. He said, there will be in the next generation or so a pharmacological method of making people love their servitude and producing dictatorship without tears, so to speak, producing a kind of a painless concentration camp for entire societies so that people will in fact have their liberties taken away from them, but will rather enjoy it because they will be distracted from any desire to rebel by propaganda or brainwashing or brainwashing enhanced by pharmacological methods. And this seems to be the final revolution. Do you agree with this? Well, I think it's uh, a totally psychopathic mind state that he was in. Uh, do I agree that it's happening? Yes, I do agree that it's happening. Of course, I don't agree with his take on it. He's saying that's what he I meant. was thinking that it was a good thing. Yeah, of, of course. So, um, you know, um, we're talking about mind control here. I mean, this, this this person is somebody who was directly involved in the eugenics movement. He was directly involved in establishment institutions. He was part of the eugenics establishment in the United States at the time. And, uh, you know, uh, his brother Julian uh, also was a eugenicist. And you're talking about somebody who's right there on the inside of the establishment. And he's telling people, we basically already have developed the techniques to pharmacologically control the mind. You know, and he's talking about things like antidepressant drugs. And he's talking things about like all the chemical additives that they're going to put in food to, to, degenerate the person's brain keep them in a in almost like a mental stupor so that they can't see what's going on around them as far as all the control goes and um you know i think they largely have accomplished this because if you look at many people on the street that they don't have any idea whatsoever what's going on now of course like your audience they're aware they 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 largely know what's going on but uh, you know when we're talking about society as a whole at large uh they've been chemically chemically dumbed down to a point of not really being able to accurately perceive reality anymore and uh again they're they're totally dependent on others uh you know for uh just a, a an anchoring in reality at all to tell them what's going on this is the role of a, a sorcerer and the victim of a sorcerer in any you know shamanic culture any story about a sorcerer the sorcerer wants to completely dominate and have control over the consciousness of the person he's wielding his uh, dark magic upon so that he can control their behavior and get them to do whatever he wants them to do and that they'll do whatever they want for him and that's really what we have that's what the, the media has actually played a role of hypnotizing people into this submission of the mind you know just uh going along to get along and you know taking uh really uh, no true personal responsibility for their own thoughts or behaviors and really not wanting that personal responsibility because they are in this again this uh, childlike psychological state of wanting to be cared for you know if you just look at uh, so so much proof is inherent just in uh, how people view the role of what they want government to be. Right? You ask you ask people who are like kind of like the uh, the leftist type. You know, uh, the leftist type uh, wants government to be the nurturer and the caretaker and the the uh, the provider. Right? They 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 want government to take care of people. 
right? They, they think that it should be like a, a totally socialized thing that gives everybody everything that they need to survive in the world and keeps them safe as a result. They're, 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 they're the, the mother figure. You know, the mother is the, the, the nourisher. It's, she's the, the caretaker. So that's what a lot of leftists want. They want government to fulfill this role of mother, okay? So this is a, a childlike mentality that I want mommy here. Uh, mommy's not present. I have a, a detachment from the mother figure. That's what I'm psychologically craving, okay? So one of the things I'm going to be getting into in my work in the near future is abandonment issues, parental abandonment issues, and how deep of a, a strong psychological role this plays in how people view their own enslavement and how they view being controlled and wanting to be controlled, okay, instead of being an independent person. They don't want the responsibility that goes with independence. With true freedom, with true independence comes total personal responsibility. That's something many people don't want to hear. So, you know, the, 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 the left in politics oftentimes or most of the time wants government to fulfill the role of mommy, to be the, the nourisher and the caretaker, all right? Now, if you look at the people on the far right in many cases or in most cases, they want the opposite. They want daddy. daddy. There you go. Yeah, they want government to be the protector and the one who makes everybody safe. They want them to go out and police the world and keep us safe from all the bad guys because that's what a daddy figure would do. So in many cases, these are people with unresolved father abandonment issues that want government to fulfill that role of father. Uh, in the sense of caretaker, in meaning protector and one who will sanitize everything to a point of safety so that you won't get hurt or I'll keep you safe from, from those har harms and those evils that are out there in the world. So you could see just in the realm of political thought of, of people who want government to be present, people who want this form of slavery to continue in the world because they feel that somehow they're not good enough or other people aren't good enough, which is a complete nonsensical thing. Uh, you know, uh, the, to think that we still need an institution as outdated and completely, um, you know, vile as a government is is just it's somebody who has no faith in themselves or humanity as far as I'm concerned because what they're basically doing is they're operating from this uh, the psychological standpoint of a child with abandonment issues and they're either saying mommy has to be here for me or daddy has to be here for me because I can't be uh, my I can't be my own uh, caretaker and my, my own protector I can't I, I can't do those things in an independent sense because I'm not tr a true psychological adult that's what really this whole scenario is all about it's about a species that needs to mature from its childish and or adolescent state of development to become an actual adult in the community in in the in the galactic community if you will and uh i i think we're very very far from the end goal but i think we're slowly based on how some people are starting to come online and want this information more we're slowly making progress toward that uh, level of adulthood but it's a slow going process you see and that's why i admire the indigenous tribes around the world in america in 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 africa in south america they when they have a child who's growing up whether they're 12 13 16 they go through initiation 
whether the child likes it or not, they have to go through that so that they become, you know, man, more, more matured about it. Is this why we have in, in, in the Western world, we have people who want to parachute. They want to, you know, get involved in these very extreme sports all the time. Is that because we don't have the formal initiation and we're always looking for somebody else to take us by the hand? You know, I believe that it is, Mel. Um, I think that a lot of the thrill-seeking that goes on and the peak experience seekers, uh, I think they're doing this because uh, these uh, altered state of consciousness type experiences are almost entirely missing from our culture. We want to, again, uh, we want to, again, try to sanitize the world to make it so safe at the level, for the level of a child. See, like, a child mentality would want the world to operate like them. So, therefore, they'd want to have everything so safe and sanitized to a level that it's like it's all safe for a child and you know this is again uh, just done to exercise more and more control and make the society more childlike so that it cries out to be controlled even more um but to go back to your question uh i feel that if we were more like a true indigenous or tribal shamanic cultures, which is something that I do favor, and I haven't really talked extensively about my my take on this. I started talking about it a little bit at the last live seminar that I did in Connecticut. After the end of the uh, seminar was concluded, I was taking a few questions and people asked me about what's one of the things we could do to change people's thoughts. And uh, I'll, I'll say something that could be very quite controversial actually that I agree with the take of how shamanic cultures um, and I'll just say it program their children um, their children are programmed properly that's why they if you study an indigenous tribal culture that's operating through through real ancient wisdom traditions they do not have the incidences of psychological illness that we do throughout the, the, the world, the rest of the world, the, civ the so-called civilized world, the industrialized world. They don't have the murder incidents that we do in the so-called civilized world. They don't have the, um, uh, you know, uh, psychological and um, emotional issues, the, um, you know, uh, abandonment issues. You name the psychological and social issue. They don't have rape or murder or uh, you know, mental illness uh, or even physical illness the, the, at, at the rates that we do. And I'm talking about even if you just compare by, you know, um, uh, population, you know, uh, they don't have the percentage of incidences of these forms of illnesses that we do in the industrialized world. So why is that? Well, it's because of their teaching method for their children. And this, again, could sound wildly unpopular. To, to a lot of people, but I'll say it anyway. They don't allow their children to grow up with bad belief systems. That's really how it works. It's a very, it's actually a controlled system. If you really think about it, they're not, they allow their children. No guilt and fear. They teach their children that as well. Yes. But it, you know, it, it is a form of control because what you're doing is you're saying, well, if I recognize that the human animal, when they have a child, the child is on download mode for six years of its life, literally in a state of 100% openness at the subconscious level, absorbing every piece of data that comes in through their senses and taking that and that's building the personality from, from birth through six years of age, sometimes up through seven years of age, depending on the child. 
Think about that. That means everything that child is exposed to in the first six years of their life is going to play a tremendous role in the permanent type of personality that that person is going to develop over their life. I shouldn't say permanent. I'm going to say the tendency to be the, the personality for the rest of their life because it can be changed but once you go past those formative years it's very difficult to reprogram the, those parts of the, the subconscious unless you really have the knowledge of how that works so um, uh, th these uh, shamanic cultures they don't take the chance that well um, the child just going to turn out okay on its own they do a very regimented programming of that child at a very early age, specifically from years zero through six. And the child doesn't have an option to refuse or not take that programming. Okay, they're, they're put through it through these initiation rites, through these childhood rituals and rites, through what the, the, the uh, child is very regimentedly taught okay about how the laws of nature actually work and it's this is in harmony with natural law in many cases they teach them that's why they don't have all of this immorality that is so abundant in the rest of society uh it's why that they can live together and uh you know in essentially in peace amongst all the other members of their tribe because they teach them a oneness mentality and a communal mentality that is we're all together in this we're not separate you know we all have the same basic needs and desires and concerns and we're all here on this planet together and uh you know we have to take care of each other and we have to take the responsibility to do that and and not do to other people what we don't want done to us you know that's the golden rule in the negative i like to call it you know instead of saying treat others as you would prefer to be treated i think it would be much more powerful for us to say don't treat others as you don't want to be treated because everybody is real clear on that it's much less ambiguous you don't want things stolen from you you don't want to be harmed physically by others you don't want your rights uh, tread on or trounced by others then don't do those things to other people it's real simple so um but uh to go back to the, the the question these these shamanic cultures they do a form of early mind control programming to their young and this is known um it, it is how they operate with their young and and people would be almost shocked to hear me say i have no problem with that as long as you're doing it with true information that's what the role i feel of a parent is to do it's to hammer true information into the mind of their child when the child is very young okay as long as you know it to be true you're you're sure of it okay you, you it's not going to do any harm by being there in a program in that child's mind because when they when they take it in and act upon it they're going to get orderly results instead of chaotic ones they're going to get results that don't cause harm to other people and create more chaos in the world they're going to get results that are in keeping with natural law in keeping with morality and that that don't cause harm and ultimately create order in in the society this is the information that a shamanic adulthood programs their children with at a very very young age and again the child doesn't have an option to refuse in our culture we're having children who have children children who know nothing about the way the ways of the world nothing about how anything works don't care about truth don't care about what's going on in the world in many cases don't even care about themselves okay and these people are having children 
and they're not teaching their children anything. And then in many cases, the state's taking these children, then they're programming them with their total disinformation and total left brain mind control. And, uh, you know, you people wonder why we have a society that's becoming so chaotic. It's because when garbage goes in, garbage comes out. We're made of what we take in. And that, that means literally the physical stuff we take in, the mental stuff we take in, the emotional stuff we take in, the spiritual stuff we take in. And then what goes out into the world through our behavior becomes what the world is like. It's such a simple equation. It's, it's just like, it's like computer language. You know, one plus one is always going to equal two. Okay. And if you build the, if you look at the way the world is built just based on that logic, you could see a very, very, very simple method. It's a very, I call it a, a four step building block process. Okay. The, the, the bottom line of it all, the foundation upon which it's all going to work is available information. If we don't have good knowledge, of how things are, are really put together and working and, and all different aspects of knowledge. We don't have eclectic variety of knowledge from varied sources that can be gathered, that can be processed, and that can be understood. If, if that knowledge is missing, you, you are not in a position to build reality in any kind of a conscious way. So this is why people are building reality unconsciously because most of them don't have knowledge. You know, and they want to downplay the role of knowledge, particularly in the New Age movement. The role of knowledge is often downplayed. And it's like, oh, we just need to get into ourselves and get into the heart. And I'm not discounting those things. Those are critically important. But if you don't have knowledge, you're wandering very naively in the world. That has to be the foundation for what you're going to build going forward. After knowledge, you need understanding. You have to actually shape your decision-making processes based upon the available information that you've taken in and processed and weeded through and weeded out the inconsistencies, okay? That level of understanding or lack thereof is going to color, uh, is going to shape all of your decision-making processes that happen in the mind, okay? So that's the second step is based upon the knowledge you have, you're working with mental decision-making processes that go on in the mind and they're they're going to shape your entire worldview and that's going to be the understanding of the world that you have or don't have if you haven't taken in the knowledge the third step that's built on top of that understanding is action human behavior comes uh, based upon their decision-making processes in step two and that in turn is based upon your available information in, in step one Okay, so the the behavior is going to be based upon the quality of our decision making processes, and and whether that action in step three, which is our the behaviors that we take, okay, are going to be wise or unwise, are determined again on how much understanding and knowledge we had, and then step four is what I simply call the manifestation or the generated result. So you have knowledge at the bottom, understanding. Okay, and then wisdom or or lack thereof, depending on whether you develop knowledge or understanding. Okay, and the result is going to, or the manifested reality that is generated is going to uh, that the quality of that condition is going to be based upon the aggregate quality of human behavior within any given society. That's going to determine whether your result is orderly or chaotic. So if you just look at it, that very simple four block. You know, look at it as a, a four little blocks built on top of each other. Knowledge is at the bottom. That's your foundation. Okay. Are you going to be open-minded enough to take it in and process it? 
or you're going to be closed-minded through fear, and you're going to ignore truth, okay? Understanding is built on top of that. That's block number two, okay? That these are our internal decision-making processes based on availability of information. And then on top of that, we have our behavior. Is that going to be wise or is it going to be unwise? Well, that's going to be determined upon what we did in steps one and two. And then the, the result in the world, the manifested reality that we have generated as a result of our aggregate behavior, not just the individual's behavior, but the, the aggregate behavior of all the individuals in any given society is going to determine whether the manifested external reality that we have to live in and experience is either orderly or chaotic. I, I would say that's ultimately how we build our reality um, through uh, how we take in and process the information that is available all around us. And Mark, we have to take our one only intermission, but just a comment regarding what you said, the, the comment about treat others the way you want to be treated. It's better to say, don't treat others the way you don't want to be treated. That's right. But when I spend time in Asia, I learn even a third one. Treat others the way they want to be treated. Interesting. You learned about them, and that way, the self-centeredness that we have may switch to learning from others. But I don't know if this happens to you, Mark, but sometimes you and I seem to be passionate when we, we speak. Some people come to me and say, Mel, you sound upset. Uh, you're lowering my vibrations. Right. We're not upset. We're passionate about the truth. And That's right. It, it, we're not speaking with NLP. We're speaking from, from the heart. And as I said, truth is devoid of all ego. But folks, when we come back, we'll discuss so much more. And I also forgot to ask you at the beginning of the show, you mentioned how you were into a cult before, and there's actually light occult and dark occult. Sure. I'd like to know what brought you to, to the truth. I'm very curious about that. We're going to discuss the occult, why it is important, light and dark occultism, natural law, the components of a consciousness, how, again, the brain, the imbalance that it's so prevalent these days, mind control, the various techniques of mind control, and also one thing that I've been discussing a lot lately, and I think it's, it's becoming a religion placed by the establishment, the New Age movement. But Mark, how do people know more about your work, upcoming events, your website, radio show? Sure. You could visit my main website at whatonearthishappening.com. That's whatonearthishappening.com. And uh, my recommendation for people who are new to my work is to please go to my podcast section, the podcast section on the website, and go back to number one. They're in reverse chronological order on the website, so the newest stuff is first. You want to go all the way back to the last page to number one and listen forward in order at your own pace and at your own leisure. And I guarantee you a new worldview and new possibilities will open up to you in your mind as you listen to that podcast series in order. That's my recommendation, and that's at whatonearthishappening.com. By listening to Mark's podcast, I guarantee you'll be removing the colored glasses that you've been accustomed to wear. Uh, once again, folks, Mark Passio is my special guest. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to Veritas. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the first segment of this very important interview. To listen to the rest, go to veritasradio.com and subscribe. You will receive your login immediately. We'll take a short intermission, listen to some music, and we'll be right back. Enjoy.
This is Joseph Atwill, and you're listening to Veritas. <laughs> 